Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. Top of the morning, King's House. How we doing today? Yeah, man. Look at your neighbor and say, isn't God good? Man, I'm so blessed and honored to be with you today. So blessed and honored that you are here today. All the places you could be, all the things you could be doing. You're here at the greatest church on planet Earth, the King's House. Come on. Oh, man, it's been an incredible few days. I just wanted to take a minute and say thank you to everyone who made Youth Camp possible. So many of you, you gave and supported students so they could go. And uh, man, God just did some incredible things those three or four days at at Youth Camp. And I I think, gosh, 30, 40, 50 kids gave their hearts to the Lord. And uh, man, just seeing God touch young lives with with his love with his presence watching him heal hearts and it just it never I've been doing this for for 21 years and let me tell you it just never gets old so thank you to everyone who gave everyone who prayed everyone who made it possible and there was about uh, 17 churches represented at Camp Wow this past week and um, the more I get around other churches and, and other leaders the more I am even more convinced that I already was that this is the greatest church on planet Earth. I mean it. I just can't tell you uh, what an honor and what a privilege it is to, to serve alongside you guys. And let me just take a minute just to thank you. Um, re- religion and legalism brings death into people's lives. And I am so thankful that I am associated with a church who loves people more than they love their preferences, more than they love the way that they, things used to be done. Man, and you guys are about reaching people. You are people, people. And I am just so honored and so blessed. And uh, 
not in an ugly way, but if I had to serve at some of these other places that I met, I wouldn't be serving there. I would go find a different job. But man, uh, King's House, you're amazing. Thank, thank you for supporting me, for supporting this staff, for letting us dream, for letting us get outside of the box, for, for letting us put tradition to the side and say, hey, let's go reach some people some way, somehow. So it wouldn't be possible without you guys. You're the ones that come every Sunday and support and give and serve and pray. And man, so thankful. So thankful to, to be your pastor. I, I just can't overstate that enough. And uh, we're kicking off a new series today called Forever Young. And I was this close to coming out dressed as Peter Pan this morning. This close. I have the costume in my office. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I'm worn out. I think this is my sixth sermon to preach in the past few days. Uh, so anyways, come back next week. You've been warned. I probably will be dressed as Peter Pan next week. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, I, you might change your mind after you see these green tights. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I want to start this series with uh, a verse out of Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 and 3. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, look at your neighbor and say, change, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's something inside of the heart of a child. There's a way that a child perceives the earth, perceives life, perceives God, uh, moves forward in life that is so critical to us as believers. And I believe that the Lord is wanting some of us as adults to change back into the way, the heart of a child in so many areas of our life. I've, I've thought a lot the past few days about ways I've changed since I was a kid. Uh, four or five things that kind of came to me off the top of my head. Uh, since, I'm, since being a kid and as I've grown into an adult, no one can force me to eat fruits and vegetables any longer. I can eat as much meat and carbs as I so desire. No one can ever tell me any differently. Since growing into an adult, uh, going to bed early is now considered a blessing. Why children refuse bedtime and feel like staying up late is a good thing, uh, I don't understand that anymore. A nap is now considered a reward and not a punishment. Do I hear it this morning? Please, someone punish me with a nap today, please. Since growing into an adult and out of childhood, I care way too much about my grass. I never thought that day would happen. When I was growing up, I used to, my, my parents lived on five acres. They had one little mower. I had to mow five acres. It would take me hours and hours. And my dad was such a stickler about that stupid grass. Dad, we live in the country. Who cares? What our, and even when, when Eric and I got first married, our yard would get like waist high. I don't care. It's grass. I mean, it's going to grow back. But now that I'm 37, I care so much about my grass. I'm just ashamed to admit how much I want that looking pristine. And lastly, I am literally morphing into an, an exact replica of my parents. <laughs> literally. Those things growing up that I said, oh my God, it drives me nuts that my parents do this. It drives me nuts that my parents say this. They're so old. They're so lame. They're so stupid. They know nothing about life. Uh, sometimes I hear words coming out of my mouth that is an exact replica of things my parents say. I'm sad to admit. As we get older, we change. 
getting older, some of those changes are incredible, positive changes. Uh, theoretically, we grow in maturity. Some of us are still working on that. We grow in our decision-making processes. Uh, our perspective of life changes. Uh, it becomes more well-rounded. We see the world in, in, in a different way. So there's incredible parts of aging and getting older. Uh, on the flip side, if we're not careful, we do lose some incredible, valuable things as we grow older, though. And I fear today that in the church that we've lost something that is so critical and crucial for, for our development as believers such a, an integral part of what God wants to be inside of us if we're really going to be who he's called us to be and accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But I think one of the things that we've lost as we've gotten older is this pure, simple element of faith. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. Uh, it's something that we need to approach as a child would approach. It's an area in our lives that we desperately need to change back into. In Mark chapter 9, I'm going to start in Mark 9 today, and I'm going to end in Mark 9 today. But in Mark 9, uh, a father had brought his demon-possessed son to, to, be, to have an encounter with Jesus. And this is the, the, where the story picks up. The dad explaining to Jesus, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can, the father asked. I love Jesus' response here. He says, what do you mean, if I can? I mean, like, what a ridiculous, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Did you hear me this morning, King's House? Anything is possible if a person believes. I don't know about you, but uh, do you remember when you were young and you literally thought your dad could do anything? I do. I was fully convinced my dad was the strongest, was the toughest, was the bravest, was the most invincible human. My dad could do anything. I remember having conversations in, in daycare and in elementary school. Like me, me and friends would, would almost be having a physical altercation because my dad is stronger than your dad's. You remember those conversations? My dad can beat your dad up, man. It's not even close. My dad is the strongest, is the most capable. We need some of that in our Christian life where we just honestly believe that our God is capable of anything. He's the strongest. He's the bravest. He's invincible. Our dad can do anything. some point, we need to change back, and if God said it, then that settles it. We just accept it as this is absolute truth. We've lost some faith along the way somewhere, King's House. We need to change back to that heart of a child. Hebrews 11, verse 1. This is from the easy-to-read version. I personally like this version and need it most days. This is what it says. It says, faith is what makes real the things we hope for. It is proof of what we cannot see. Faith is what makes real the things we hope for. That means that the things that we hope for oftentimes in our life aren't real. Are you, that's, that, that's what the faith is. Faith isn't supposed to make sense. Faith is supposed to feel impossible. If it was real right in front of you, if it was tangible, if it was something that you could see, if it was something that you could touch, then it wouldn't be faith. Faith is what makes real the things 
that you hope for. That's what makes it faith. Some of us need to start believing in things that we can't see with our eyes. You can sure enough see it in your heart. You can feel it in every fiber of your being. But no, today it's not real. But I believe that I'm going to pray that thing into existence. And one day I will put my hands on it because faith makes real the things that we hope for. Come on, somebody. It makes it real. It starts as a dream. It starts as faith. It turns into something so real and so tangible. Uh, When my kids were small, we loved story time every night. It was just a a massive part. Bedtime, maybe some of you can relate. Bedtime was like an hour-long procedure. (laughs) Just unbelievable. Of brushing teeth, of brushing hair, of telling stories, of praying, of singing, of them getting up, telling more stories, singing more songs. Just, uh, but they, they loved story time. I one of my favorite memories of Melody, she was probably, sorry, was a baby baby. So Melody's probably four or five years old. And I'm being a really great dad, especially I'm being a great minister dad. And I'm telling her Bible stories. That's what we do every night. We tell Bible stories. And at the end of the Bible story, we always talk about, now, what did we learn from this story? What's, what's God trying to communicate to us through this story? Again, just, I feel like I'm killing it as a dad. And this night, we're, we're talking about Daniel in the lion's den. And I got stuffed animals all over her bed. And we got the lion's den. And we got the guys who were ratting out Daniel. I mean, we're just, we're acting out this whole story. And again, I'm just feeling like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm killing it right now as a dad, as a minister, as a, like, this is what it's supposed. So we go through the whole story of Daniel and the lion's den, and we get to the very end of the story, and I say, Melody, I mean, what is it that we can learn from that story? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we can trust God, that, that God does miracles, and, and God will protect us. And I mean, there's lots of different answers that Melody could have come up with. I said, Melody, what can we learn from that story? She sits there and ponders for a few minutes. She goes, Dad, I really don't like zombies. (laughs) That's exactly right, Melody. That is exactly the point I was hoping you would draw. I don't like zombies either, sweetheart. Let's pray. Unbelievable. Sawyer's always been just the most expressive, live out loud kind of dude. and I love telling Sawyer stories because he just hung, hung on every word that I said. And his eyes, his face just lit up. And all of his stories, he always wanted to tell me a story about when you were in a deer stand, Dad. And it always revolved around the outdoors. And these stories were just absurd. And I would be in a deer stand, and I would hear, and the ground would be trembling, and something big is coming up. And Sawyer's just, oh, man. And all of a sudden, there's a T-Rex, and he's coming through the woods. Oh, it's a T-Rex. And he would come by my deer stand, and he was coming to attack your dad. And your dad would jump out of that tree, and he would karate chop the T-Rex. And, I mean, every, and Sawyer's just eating. He believed every single word that I said. It was ridiculous. It was impossible. I mean, absurdity. And he believed every single word of those stories because I was his dad. And he had no reason to believe any other, any, anything different. If dad said that happened, then by all means, that happened. We need to change back, King's House. We need to change back where we believe, Mark, that is absurd. That's impossible. That's ridiculous. Right. That's our God. <laughs> 
come, that's our God. I mean, this whole salvation story is absurd. It's ridiculous. And it's 100% true. We need to awaken something of faith inside of our hearts because we lose something. Walt Disney said this in the story Peter Pan, which I planned on being dressed as today. Come back next week. That's the real trouble with the world, though, isn't it? Too many people grow up and they forget. It's true. That's just what happens when we grow up, though. Because this horrific thing called reality sets in on our lives. And we learn over the years that some of the things that we hope for don't come true. Some of those things we pray about don't happen the way that we thought they would happen. Life has a way of getting extremely hard. Life has a way of crushing those hopes and crushing those dreams. Some of us learn earlier than others that our dad is absolutely not invincible. Some of us learn some hard realities that our dad's actually a mean individual who hurts you and abuses you and disappoints you. And even if we don't experience those types of things, the world just has a way of sucking faith and sucking life out of the heart of a child. And sooner or later, the world that used to be so full of dreams and so full of color and was so vivid, it just has a way the world just gets gray. The world just turns gray. And the sad reality is, is that most of us have just learned how to cope and how to exist within a very gray world where we don't hope, where we don't dream, where we don't believe for anything because the disappointment of those things not coming true is far too painful. So we just exist. And we look for little moments of happiness here and happiness there. And we find some things that bring us joy. But I believe that 90% of people that sit in churches every single Sunday, if you were to be completely honest with yourself, you would admit I'm absolutely miserable. And I'm just existing my way through life. And my dreams and the things that used to be so alive on the inside of me are completely dead. And that's just the fact of what humanity has a way of doing to us as believers. And I'm not saying that this morning to try to beat anybody up because I know what that feels like. I do. I know what it feels like to exist in a very gray, bleak world. But I also know what it looks like when the healer gets in the middle of that situation. And he makes things come back to life. And he breathes life on those dreams and those passions. And I want to share with you this morning a story out of Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Jesus is on his way to a man named Jairus' house. There was a large crowd following Jesus on the way. And this is where the story picks up. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Leave that verse up there for a second, because I just want to point out a few, thing, a few key things out of this verse. 12 years this woman had suffered. Not a few weeks, not a few months, not a difficult season of her life. Twelve years this woman had suffered. I can't imagine the disappointments. I can't imagine the heartache. I can't imagine the questionings that happened over a 12-year period where the word says she suffered a great deal. 
This was not an easy road. It was painful. It was difficult. Some of us this morning can relate to those types of roads, to some of those seasons in our life that just feel like they just go on and on and on. God, will it ever change? God, will this ever get better? God, will you ever answer my prayers? This woman had obviously hoped at some point in her life because she had sought the help of not just a couple doctors, of many doctors. She was desperate for a solution. She was doing everything that she knew how to do. She had spent every penny that she had. At some point, this woman had hope. She wasn't letting the the trials, the hardships of life steal that from her. She was still hoping for an answer, but I can't imagine how difficult that was. After 12 long years, you've spent everything. You've gone to every doctor. At some point, hopelessness just gets a hold of you. As a matter of fact, it had gotten no better. It had gotten worse. And I just can't imagine that progression over the course of 12 years. And again, I know some of us can relate to this because this is life sometimes. In verse 27, she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe According to Levitical law, this woman with an issue of blood wasn't supposed to be around crowds. Every person that she came in contact with that day, according to the Levitical law, she had made ceremonially unclean. What she was doing that day was so inappropriate in their culture, was so out of context in their culture. She was going against every cultural norm, everything that was acceptable. Somehow, some way, this woman still had some sort of hope. I don't know how after 12 years, but she honestly believed there's something different about this Jesus. And if I can just get a hold of this Jesus, something in my life is going to change. If I can just touch his robe... I will be healed. Incredible hope and incredible faith. She reaches out. She touches his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. I know some of you this morning have gone through really hard, dark, difficult, perhaps extraordinarily long seasons where things that you hoped for, where things that you prayed for, where things that you believed for haven't happened. Maybe much like this woman, as a matter of fact, it's gotten way worse. It hasn't improved. It's gotten worse. I'm here to encourage you this morning that all it takes is one encounter with a very real, a very living, a very loving Jesus, and everything in your life can be totally transformed in an instant. He still is the healer. He still is the miracle maker. He is still in love with you. He is still good. God is still faithful. This is an incredible story. So much hope, so much faith. Yes, God, you can do it. But we have this uh, very lucky privilege (coughs) to be able to sit down in just a matter of minutes and read that story and know what the end result was. Yeah. Have you ever thought about what would have happened that day if she hadn't been healed? What would have been the consequences of that decision? of making everyone in that crowd unclean? What would have been said? What would have been done? What were the consequences, the repercussions of that decision been? What if you mustered up enough faith and said, God, I've been believing for this for 12 long, horrible, painful years. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs says. 
And I know some of you this morning can identify with that. You believe for something. You believe for something. You believe for something. You hope, you hope, you hope, you hope, you hope. And it doesn't happen. And that faith that used to live on the inside of you, those dreams, those passions, over a series of time, if you allow it, those will become so dim, so dark, your heart will become sick. Somehow this woman mustered up the faith. If I can just get a hold of this man named Jesus. I can't imagine how painful that process was to her, to put herself out there, to be vulnerable, to take that kind of chance. What if she had done all that as a last resort? I'm gonna to touch Jesus, everything's gonna be better. What if it wasn't better? Where does that woman go from there? Think about it. So I wanna tell you this morning how we need to start spelling faith. And it doesn't start with an F, it's actually a four letter word. This is how we need to start spelling faith, King's House. R-I-S-K. Risk. Because isn't that what faith is? You take the chance of something not happening the way that you thought it would. You take the chance of something taking so much longer than you ever would have dreamt of. You take the chance of the process being so much more painful, so much more grueling, costing you so much more than you ever could have imagined. But when you say, God, I'm ready to believe, there is a risk involved. And somehow, someway, you got to find the hope. You have to find the faith. And I believe many in this room this morning, it's time for you to get out of the boat and start taking a chance with God. Take a risk this morning. Some of you have been holding on to dreams for far too long. They're far too painful. It's time to take some risks this morning and say, God, I believe that you are more than able. God, I've been holding on for 12 years, but today might just be my day. Are you with me, King South? Somebody... God, I'm ready to take that risk. I'm ready for you to do some work on this cold heart. Life's had a way with it, God, but there's nothing you can't heal. God, take this heart, change it back. I wanna be that child that I used to be before I was so cold and cynical and negative and before life taught me more lessons than, than what I found in the world. God, change me back. Give me that heart of a child that's ready to believe your words. God, I want to believe you. God, I want to trust you. God, I genuinely want to have faith this morning. I believe that's the heart cry of 99.9% .9 of you here this morning. So the question becomes, Mark, how do I get that heart? How do I do it? How do I, how do I, I've experienced all these things. How do I let God change it back? How do I have that childlike faith? In Mark chapter nine, where we started, I wanna finish that story off. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. That's us this morning. We want to believe. God, show us how to believe. This man's response is so beautiful and so critical for all of us this morning, I believe. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. 
That's faith talking, people. Some of you might read that verse and say, well, he had a lack of faith. He just needs to stand on God's word. No, this is reality. This is real life. We can sit around and say, oh, I believe God's word. But sometimes we just don't. And it's so difficult and it's so painful and it's so, so hard to address some of those issues and some of those things that have happened in our life. So faith says, God, I believe. And I'm willing to take a step and I'm willing to take a risk and I'm willing to step out and do or say or whatever you're calling me to do. God, I believe enough, but you're going to have to help this unbelief a little bit. And man, that's you taking a step towards God. And this is not a fair relationship in any stretch of the imagination. This is not a 50-50 relationship. You take one step towards God, friend. He does the rest this morning. Man, he comes running to you. When you turn your heart towards him, when you take those steps, that gives God permission. Okay, man. He puts you on his back and he says, let's get you to where you need to get this morning. I'm asking you this morning, let that be your heart cry. I'm not going to stand up here and act like some of you haven't been through horrific hardships. Because you have. You have. I've been so incredibly blessed. I've lived such an easy life. And it doesn't even compare to what some of you in this room have walked through and the death and the loss and the pain and the abuse. So I'm not going to act like this morning like, oh, just suck it up, buttercup. Come on, man. No. It's bad. And God's not the creator of those horrific situations that you walked through. He's not. He's not the creator of evil. People have free wills and they make terrible decisions with them. He's not the creator of these bad situations, but what he can do is take those horrible, awful situations. He doesn't make them better. There's nothing you can make better. You lose a child. How does that get better? It doesn't. But what he can do, take those horrible situations, and he can make something good come from that situation. He can work miracles. He can work healing in your hearts. He can do that. He just needs your permission this morning. God, change this heart back. Give me that heart of a child. God, where if you said it, I believe it. That settles it. I'm standing on it. God, I believe this morning, but you got to help this unbelief. I'm telling you, King South, if you'll approach God with that heart and with that attitude, he will do miracles. Miracles in your marriage. Some of you have been fighting for that marriage for years. You're losing hope. Don't lose hope, friend. He can do miracles. Some of you believe in God for healing in your body. You keep standing on faith, man. He is a miracle-working God. Yes, some of you have been battling with addiction for years of your life. You've hoped that you could get past it. You keep falling back into it. I'm telling you, one relapse one of these days will be your last. Yes, he can heal your life. He can put it back together. All those broken pieces of your heart. If you'll entrust those to God, he will take those broken pieces and he will turn them into something beautiful like only God can do. All he needs this morning from you is your yes. God, I believe, yes. Would you help this unbelief? Would you pray with me this morning, King's House? God, I just wanna thank you for your goodness. God, I just wanna thank you for your kindness. God, even in the midst of hardship and difficult times, you were always there. You promised you would never leave us, never forsake us. There were days we didn't see you or feel you or hear you, but God, you were always there. God, I thank you that you can take things that look impossible and ridiculous and absurd. God, you can turn those things into our reality with faith. So Father, I'm asking 
this morning that you would find hearts that are so willing, hearts that are saying, God, change me back. I want to have that childlike faith. God, I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be cynical. I, I don't want to be critical. God, change this heart back. God, cause those hopes and those dreams and those visions to come alive on the inside of us. But God, you're going to have to help. We can't do it in our own strength or our own ability. Can't do anything in our own strength or ability. So God, our response to you this morning is, I believe. God, would you help my unbelief? I believe. Would you help my unbelief? And Father, as we give you our yes this morning, I thank you that you're going to just come in like a flood, that your love, your presence is going to heal some things, is going to put some things back together, is going to begin to change our hearts back to this soft, pliable, faith-filled heart that you want. Because God, you truly do. What the enemy meant for evil in our lives, God, I believe you are going to use it for good. You have an incredible plan, an incredible hope, and an incredible future for every person in this room this morning. God, we thank you, and we give you permission today. God, change it back. Give me that heart of a child. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. King's House, I love you so much. Hey, parents, don't forget a, a kids meeting with Pastor Chris. God bless you guys. We will see you next Sunday. Have an awesome week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church forward slash giving, or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and you want to visit us, we meet every week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church forward slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you real soon.